0: Good
1: evening and welcome to, I think, episode seven of the EVs and Beyond Live weekly kind of live streamy community thing that we've been doing. Thank you if you are joining us uh, again. Thank you also if you're joining us for the first time. Uh, you are able to watch this on, as we said before, Facebook, LinkedIn, or YouTube. The thing I tell everyone is probably the community is on Facebook, but the best viewing experience really is on YouTube. So uh, in the future, if you're to migrate over there, hopefully we'll shuffle everyone over to youtube in the long run it just is uh just such a much bit of technology for this kind of thing now don't forget to uh comment below this is really an open discussion uh whichever platform you're on chuck a comment in there say hello tell us you hate a particular car tell us you love a particular car ask some questions and uh yeah get involved we we like that we love the banter i'm sure i'm sure ned or or steve or uh, or uh, mark some of the usual Faces will turn up soon and start causing trouble in there uh, over in the comments section. Uh, now we have a great guest tonight, a little bit last minute, uh, but just because we know we're trying to stay contemporary, trying to stay up with the, the news that's floating around there. And I'll bring him into the room now. And that is uh, Ed Harvey, the chief, chief executive of uh, New Zealand based EV charging company, Evernext. uh So uh, thank you for joining us on the show, Ed.
0: Thanks, Richard. Uh, Thanks for having me on, and and, uh, nice to see everyone. So
1: if anyone out there is watching, if you have any questions about uh, particularly the X Chargers, uh, probably is a rare occasion. We can get directly to the man at the top. Uh, So uh, do chuck those questions in there. Or even if you've got any feedback, if you've got an X Charger and you're loving it or or, uh, any other uh, insights from your usage, uh, then uh, please do throw uh, those into the chat as well. Um, Yeah, that's... uh, uh, a great, uh, great thing to have you here. So uh, now we're going to start off tonight with a little bit of a video. Um, now this one we mentioned last week in the stream about uh, uh, the uh, uh, Hulk, the Tesla Model S tow car from Drive EV down in Telpo. Now uh, Hulk is about to go on a little bit of a different journey, they're not towing a car with it this time, but I'm going to put this video up and we will let uh, the uh, um, Steve Greenwood, the uh, boss at Drive EV, uh, tell you a little bit about it.
2: I'm Steve from Drive EV and behind me this is Hulk, uh, the P100 Tesla that we're heading to Targa South Island this weekend. For those of you who are not familiar with the Targa, um, it is the, and I quote, ultimate road race. We're in the tour section. It's on New Zealand roads that are closed off for the event. Uh, There's 14 stages. In the tour section, um, as this isn't a race car, it doesn't have a roll cage. We're limited to uh, the touring, which is limited to 160k. Um, We've got our noggin protectors on. We don't have pace notes, but we do have uh, some information making us familiar with the course. This is the second electric vehicle to do it. Last year, uh, Graham, in his bright purple Tesla Model 3, um, did it, so we were inspired by that to yeah get on the tour. I'm super <laughs> excited by it because it's the ultimate range test. It's it's going to show us how driving an electric vehicle fast affects things like range and consumption. Charging is a factor because we expect we'll need a recharge. The the event's about 320 k's, so we're expecting a a recharge midway, which is where. Hoping is going to be available at midday on Saturday and Sunday, so anyone in the Richmond area feels like putting a few cones up, that'd be nice. We're getting some can info from the car, we're going to get some temps, some um, motor performance, speed, all that sort of fun stuff. A little bit of prep that we've done from a lot of info on the internet of people who've driven Tesla Model S's on racetracks and fast in certain situations. It's all about the brakes. That's what everyone complains about. So the first thing we did was upgrade the factory brake pads. Um, These pads will have the ability to handle a bit more heat. Um, We've also put new rotors on because it turns out after 250,000 k's, they needed replacing. Boohoo electric car maintenance. Besides that, we've just sort of been checking over the car. We've got the air suspension set up just right. And yeah, we've got some tire pandas and all sorts of bits and pieces, so yeah bring it on we'll have some more videos and yeah hopefully it's going to be a good time and that's the story on Hulk and the Target
1: (laughs) I am somewhat jealous of uh, Steve getting to run that uh, Model S in the Target tour or what about you Ed?
0: Yeah it's it's an awesome looking machine eh? (laughs)
1: Have you managed to spend much time in the Model S uh, particularly I guess out in Anger on the open road like Steve's going to do?
0: I haven't actually, no. Uh, well, Steve West, uh, just about the last time, actually, I think Steve West took me around the Royal Puna in Christchurch. It was years ago. And that was probably when uh, there was only a few of them in New Zealand. Um, but no, mainly Model 3s since then, actually.
1: <laughs> the, the Target Tour is just a huge amount of fun. I've uh, I've done it in a non-electric car. Uh, and it's, it's just neat. Um, I guess the issue with that year is if you get too many of them trying to do it, then uh, charging will become an issue. But hopefully, if there's only one EV this year and... This is the one invitation to the community down there in richmond to go and ice the vehicle or ev the ve- ev the charger sorry yeah. Yeah. for him for an hour or two just to, to save him the hassle then uh yeah it's uh that's going to be a pretty cool one um yeah no neat car and uh yeah if you've if anyone hasn't been to uh drive ev uh do pop in they've actually got a couple of your charges outside uh, Ed, uh, available for public use that's right yeah yeah. Awesome. So before we start on the news, we'll just go and uh, run through a couple of comments quickly. Uh, Kian says, uh, hello. Simple. Nice one to start. Same from David. Uh, Lee, Lee is loving his new BYD. I'm guessing that means your car has arrived, Lee. I wasn't sure if you had it last time. Uh, NZ50, good evening. Uh, Mark says, no trouble from me tonight. I'm with Robert and Vanessa in Hamilton. I'm not sure who Robert and Vanessa are, but uh, hopefully they'll keep you well behaved. Ross says hi. Ned says hi. I'm guessing you had uh, uh, some uh, hand in that video, Ned. And Steve says one EV per target at the stage. I can't see that lasting for long. I suspect that in the next couple of years, there'll be quite a lot of particularly Model 3s running through that and uh, running in that event. So, yeah. That's all good. Now, let's uh, run that terrible sting that I'm never going to replace, even though I keep promising I will. It's time for some news. Right, so let's start the news off today with some price changes. Uh, the BYD Et03 and Hyundai IONIQ 5 have new prices. Uh, now, this is probably a little bit old now, but we, think we managed to run it off from the last one. Uh, the local loan of BYD has lifted the price of its popular BYD 803 just a m- few months after introducing the model in the New Zealand market. Uh, the Et03 was introduced to the market f- were from $52,990 for the entry-level 50kW variant and $57,990 for the 60 kilowatt hour battery variant. The pair are now priced from $55,990 and $59,990 respectively, with the change coming into effect on October 1. Uh, meanwhile, pricing for the updated Ionic 5 is unchanged relative to the 1st year model. The 58kWh rear motor version is priced from $79,990, the 72.6kWh rear motor model from $89,990, and the 72.6kWh all-wheel drive uh, from $97,990. Um, now, of course, we talked last week about the pricing of the Sanyu and Kranda Emotion. That's in there at $59,990. Um, so kind of that 59990 mark and the 79990 mark is certainly becoming the two uh, kind of hottest price points in the market. But, uh, you know, as I think we discussed recently on the show, we've definitely got some uh, price rises coming across the board. There's just so much pressure on prices internationally, particularly with uh, materials. Is, is there price pressure in your guys' part of the market yet? I mean, I think manufacturing locally may be a little bit easier, but certainly resources are getting harder to get get your hands on, aren't they?
0: Yeah, definitely, Richard. Um, You know, we've certainly had some some, uh, supply chain challenges over the last um, couple of years. It's generally getting better, um, but there's, you know, 100% there's been some um, uh, price increases across, especially, you know, some of the semiconductors, uh, microchips and things like that that we use, cables, uh, copper, obviously. Um, Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah i think it's interesting with the tesla model Y we're seeing so many deliveries at the moment and i can't help but think uh that's tesla trying to get as many in as they can before they are forced to to raise the prices it's just just so hard out there and i you know speaking to uh one distributor they were saying they'd seen something like nine materials price rounds of materials price rises coming through their system in the, like the last six months or something mm-hmm. it's just getting crazy um now on to our next story we going to try and keep these moving tonight uh, new Zealand a New Zealand made E bus has hit the road. A New Zealand designed and made electric bus, the E City, took its first passengers on a trial ride during the Bus and Coach Association's conference in Rotorua on Tuesday. Developed and manufactured by Zemtech, uh, Zero Emission Technologies in Auckland. The bus is a new development for sustainable transport in New Zealand. Uh, the I think this isn't necessarily the first electric bus made in New Zealand. I believe that Kiwi Coach Lines a hand uh, Kiwi Kiwi bus builders at a hand in assembling uh locally uh, built bus uh, electric buses, but they were essentially overseas products assembling, assembled here. But uh, yeah, I mean, electrification certainly does seem to be suiting buses. Su- uh, suiting buses. Um, I don't know if you've spent much time in a city with electric buses yet, it, it, it just makes the, in the air just a little bit nicer to breathe, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, a lot nicer when they drive past you as well, a lot quieter. There's, um, there's certainly a few of them in Christchurch now I've, I've really noticed in the last um, six to 12 months.
1: Yeah, yeah Have you had any discussion with companies needing to charge their buses? I mean, have you put any put any charges in for bus fleets
0: here? We haven't no. Um, we do uh, you know the buses all would all be rapid charge, rapid DC. um we do a bit of work with waste management who's converted oh. uh, you know, quite a lot of uh, rubbish trucks. Um, they are almost all charging off twenty two kilowatt three phase, um so we do the charging for waste management, um, but that's oh. about as, as as big as we go with the fleets
1: yeah to those of you uh watching the comments have you been on an ev bus if you have do a really try and think you're a motoring journalist for a minute and do a quick review of your ride on an ev bus uh in the uh in the comments um uh, and just we'll just quickly uh jump to the comments for a for a second um uh where are we uh ned says uh that video was all jay and steve actually i've been on tow bar duty well don't let mark buckingham t- t- uh, tell you that um Platinum says, uh, please don't show the 03 in red. It makes our white one jealous. Not, I, I like the white ones. they got that kind of hint of to them. It looks really good. Really good colour on those cars. Uh, Ned says, we have one of those electric rubber trucks here. It's so good. Uh, and uh, Rebecca's saying the same thing in regards, to, uh, in regards to the 803. I'm wondering if Platinum and, and Rebecca, are you the same people? I'm I'm, I'm starting to wonder. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I haven't actually been on an electric bus yet, so it's something I've got to change. We've had other staff have done it, and uh, and uh, they rather enjoyed them. Uh, Ross says, uh, love the Wellington Airport EV bus. Yes, it was also good, I guess, with that, that they used the EV as a way of bringing back the electric buses. Um, Mark says, uh, yes, double-decker bus in Welly and a few in Auckland. They are great. Yeah, haven't been on them, but I've enjoyed having them drive past me, not choking me with diesel soot. Um, Rebecca says, uh, my son hacked my account. Okay. <laughs> uh, now, on to the next one, and a less positive story. Um, Tesla New Zealand sold a stained damaged car as new... Uh, Tesla's local arm has been ordered by the Motor Vehicle Disputes Tribunal to clean and repair a new Model 3 sold to a customer earlier this year. Tribunal documents detailed the case of one Tesla Model 3 buyer who obtained one of the popular plug-ins from Tesla New Zealand only to find the car to be stained and damaged. Specifically, the buyer noted that they found a coffee stain in the driver's side footwell carpet, scratches on the front bumper and under train assembly, and a scratched wheel cover. They also found a black mark on the ceiling liner, a scrape on the boot lining, crease leather on the driver's seat, and scratches on the on the wing mirrors, um, I, I guess the, the silver lining of this is that uh we seem to be hearing a lot, way fewer issues with Tesla's coming into the country now. You know, used to be a year or so, or go back, the Facebook pages were filled with people comparing images of their panel gaps, uh, and uh, other issues with their car. That seems to be largely eliminated. Um, but uh, yeah, in the comments, if you've taken. Uh, delivery of a Model 3 and had issues with it, let us know. This one seems like a bit of a weird case, doesn't it, Eden? A little bit of a funny way to treat a customer handing over a car like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I've definitely heard a few stories over the last um, couple of years. I mean, I think I've got a lot of admiration for Tesla. I think they're doing a fantastic job. Um, but I guess they're, they're just pushing the limits in a lot of ways. And um, and there's you know a few, few things uh, slipping up, I guess.
1: Hmm. i think definitely the chinese manufacturing uh, has made a massive difference to the quality of the cars here I've, I've driven both and it's kind of chalk and cheese as far as i'm concerned um but uh yeah i think this one's an interesting one i mean maybe they were just trying to get cars at the door and that was a one that had been taken home by a staff member <laughs> for delivery or something i don't know but uh look i think in the end they were forced to put it right so that's uh that's uh, important yeah. um now we'll get into kind of your area of expertise now albeit we know you're you're in the ac field and this is a for now uh, and this is a, uh, a kind of a dc discussion um but the european uh parliament has actually set some grounds on what they think uh what charging they think needs to be available for uh evs and particularly ev, EV tourism they're saying cars should be recharge every 60 kilometers electricity or people will jump in from the comment section because there's some certainly some opinions about this, refuel with hydrogen every 100 kilometres along main roads and ships should be able to use port power to help the European Union become climate neutral by 2015. Uh, 2050, the European Parliament Transport and Tourism Committee has adopted a draft negotiating mandate on the deployment of alternative fuels infrastructure that aims to spur development of recharging alternative fueling locations such as electric or hydrogen for cars, trucks, trains, planes and support the uptake of sustainable vehicles. According to the adopted text, electric charging pools for cars would have to be deployed at least every 60 kilometres along main EU roads by 2026. We're probably not that far off that I would have thought, Ed. When you start looking through New Zealand's charging network, that's kind of about I think that's about the kind of distance that uh, we've kind of set up in New Zealand, be it AC or DC.
0: Yeah, that's right, Richard. I think that was always charging its initial goal, wasn't it? Was it 50 or 60k? Um, mm-hmm. And I think they achieved that, I thought it was a year or two ago that they'd achieved that. So um, yeah, I think we're not too bad here.
1: I, th- I think there are still a couple of holes down the you know, western part of the South Island, but they seem to be filling in those gaps pretty quickly. But um, yeah. That's that, right. That, that
0: of... I think, is, is a bit of an issue still.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and, and uh, the kind of back way between Wanaka and the West Coast, that's a gap of about Two hundred and eighty sure. kilometres, which, uh, if if anyone's bored tonight, and I've I've, I've spruiked it before, jump on the Evism on YouTube channel. We actually drove that gap in a uh, Renault Zoe, um, which is an interesting interesting trip. Um, could do with a little more AC and DC through that uh, that network. Though the issue down there is that they uh, of course don't actually have the power supply for it, and I believe to fill that gap they're going to use battery storage to kind of trickle the batteries up to. A little closer sure. to full, and then uh, uh, use it when the cars arrive, which will probably be interesting during peak season. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've got, have you got a thought, an opinion on hydrogen? Do you think it's it's good there including hydrogen, or
0: I think it's um, I think hydrogen has it will probably have limited use in, in light vehicles. Um, I, I do see you know some potential for, for heavy vehicles, um, potentially the you know, planes, trucks, that sort of thing, but. Uh, I can't see, I can't see a lot of, uh, you know, opportunity or sense in it personally at the moment for, for small uh, passenger vehicles, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think interesting. interesting that they've included ports, that ports need ship charges, which mm. is pretty darn cool because I'm sure when you're importing your raw materials for your charges, you'd be a heck of a lot happier if they were coming in on a nice electrically That's powered right. climate neutral ship.
0: That's right, yeah, well, as long as we're not flying them here, that's that's the main thing, um, but yeah, 100%, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I did see an article uh, just a couple of days ago about a container ship. They reckon that um, dropped fuel consumption by, I think it was about 10% by having um, these huge sales on it. Um, yeah. So I think there's, there's going to be some really cool things uh, happening in that space in the coming years.
1: Yeah, awesome, awesome. Now, that's that's, uh, that's just the con- idea of the hot behind those things are pretty cool, and I know um, I do a little work with the Roro Vehicles, and they've done a little work over the years around things like aerodynamics you think a, a ship that chugs along pretty slowly doesn't actually need to be aerodynamic but they've done a lot of work around that to actually really help with that uh that kind of diesel consumption and yeah we, we have to be honest when we get our electric cars here they usually were bought here using heavy or oil fuel oils um, so seen, everything can be done perfect, to reduce yeah. yeah everything can be done to re- reduce the impact is uh, is great uh, now, before we go into our, uh our last story for the day, let's just uh, fire through a few more co- uh, comments. Uh, Ned says, the Wellington to Auckland double-deck is charged across the road at 300 kilowatt DC. There were two this afternoon, both needing to charge. So I think those are buses they're moving between Auckland and Wellington for when they arrive and being used and um yeah no that's cool when they we're here for them doing those we covered a that a story about one of those trips a couple of uh, issues back in evs and beyond just go onto the uh, back issues tab and you'll find that there uh ned says super keen on electric house bus one day that'd be pretty cool i wonder if you could take an electric house bus and have a have an ac charger attached to it to charge your electric vehicle that you tow behind just you know, saying. Or could you have the electric car going behind generate its own electricity by leaving it in region? Don't go there. <laughs> uh, CJ says, didn't the old Auckland buses used to be electric without the battery? I mean the trolley buses. Well, I think they've just canned those in Wellington, much to I think everyone's disgust. Uh, and then uh, of course they had that project to convert them to bat- uh, to a, a, a range extender kind of battery hybrid, and that failed a miserable death. Uh, and Lee says, Yeah, I saw all the charges at Waste Management when I visited yesterday. Wish I took my t 2 cable to juice my PHEV transit workhorse. Gotta love a unmanned nice. AC charger. <laughs> so at Waste Management, would they be your units? Is that what you were referring to before?
0: They should be. Yeah. Yeah. I think nice. there might be a few um, earlier on of another brand, but most of them are ours, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome.
1: Right, let's get on to our last story to the day uh, of the day and it does uh, apply to you of course. Uh, LDV and Evanex have partnered to help businesses switch to EVs. LDV New Zealand is now working with smart charger manufacturer Evanex to help Kiwi businesses charge their electric units and vans using smart technology to spread the load and increase efficiency. The two say they are partnering to reduce pressure on the electricity grid and possibly impact the environment as Kiwi businesses swap petrol and diesel utes and vans for EVs. Now, I'm I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to uh, pull back the, uh, the, the veil of media magic here and point out to everyone that, yes, that photo is fake, um, because that car has a GB2 connector, a GBT connector, and uh, that's a tethered cable, so I'm guessing that that is not a GBT plug. Come clean here, Ed. Come clean.
0: You're very, you're very <laughs> stupid, Richard. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, the photos, the photos real. It just wasn't quite plugged in yet. I, mean, I, the there, so, yeah.
1: uh, I, 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 have driven that Ute. I have plugged it into an Evonics charger uh, at the yeah, nice. uh, at Drive EV in uh, Taupo. I drove that Ute from uh, Auckland to Wellington, which was a bit of fun Sweet. sitting, sitting on sitting right? on Yeah. Uh, look, it's it's very much a I call it a first-generation product when it comes to electric utes, but I think for a lot of fleets, it's going to do the job. I personally think for a lot of them, they'd be way better with the E-Deliver Nine, which I think is a brilliant vehicle. Um, but I think for those that really do need a ute, that that ute is going to be going to be cool. Now, before we get too much into this, do you just want to kind of run through for people the kind of quick history of X and, and yourself? Just I mean,
0: what is X? Yeah, sure. So. um I started EVNEX about uh, eight, eight years ago now. I think hard to believe. Um, we're based in Christchurch. We're a, a des, um, designer and manufacturer of AC smart electric vehicle charging stations, um, and essentially the problem that we're trying to solve is, is what we think is going to be a billion dollar problem of how to how the electricity network will cope with the growing numbers of, of EVs on our roads. Um, so you know we're uh it's, it's early days I think a lot of the um, EV drivers on the road are uh, relatively early adopters and most of them understand how the electricity network works a lot of them are quite environmentally minded and try to um shift their charging to off-peak time set timers and things like that um but we definitely feel and have, have seen as well from overseas that with more and more um of these sort of greater uh, later majority uh, getting into EVs people will just generally sort of revert back to that behaviour of plugging in when they get home and then relying on some other system to manage their charging to basically optimise the electricity cost and also optimise for carbon emissions. Um, So those are two of the biggest factors for us. Um, And, you know, we we think in the future it won't quite be so simple as electricity prices getting cheaper at, say, 9pm or 10pm. So that's what you set your timer for there's going to be a lot more renewable energy uh, on the grid. We're seeing in uh, 2027, 2028, there's going to be a massive influx of uh, solar installed in New Zealand as well. So that's actually going to shift the dynamic uh, and shift some of the incentives for when people should charge, both from a financial and uh, environmental perspective. So um, Evnex is essentially um, working very hard to build a really great product that our, our customers love, really good solar integration. So if you've got solar at home, the charger links in really well with that. Um, but also act as a link between our customers and the electricity industry so that uh, we can optimise for those two factors um, and in the future actually work towards providing some sort of uh, a bonus or incentive for our customers to sort of participate in those systems as well. Um, we'd love to see a future where if on a really cold winter's night or cold winter's morning, uh, like we had a week or so ago, um, or if there's a generator drops out, that if a customer agrees for their charging to be slowed down or turned off for a period of time, then they they're actually going to get rewarded um, from the electricity industry for for doing that. Um, so you know we don't think it makes sense to uh, significantly build out infrastructure to cope with all the EVs being able to charge at once. Uh, we think we can be a lot smarter than that. And uh, so yeah, that's what evnex is all about.
1: Mm-hmm. But that needs to be it needs to be done in a way that's I hesitate to, to use the word but but idiot proof for the customer isn't it. People should just mm. to plug the car in, and the software or the or discussions between the the, the providers right. does the rest. We it, it's it, you shouldn't have to be plugging your your car in at particular times to uh, meet everyone else's needs essentially.
0: That's right. Yeah. So uh, you know our, um, our vision is that people just plug in when it's most convenient, probably when they get home from work. Um, and we're doing all the work in the background to make sure that a that customers uh, charge is going kind to of be as cheap as possible. And that the carbon emissions of their charge are, are going to be as cheap as possible, and those will usually um, usually be the the, the same or, or uh, result in the same sort of charging hours, but not always. Mm-hmm.
1: Just let's just go back to the start. How did Evonics actually start? I mean, what's the what was the nucleus of how you guys got going?
0: Uh, look, I um, I studied electronics engineering at Canterbury and. Canterbury University and um, for some reason ever since I was probably like 9 or 10 I wanted to build an electric car and um, when I was uh, in my last year at university I finally got to do that I converted my car which is a, a Honda Accord into an electric car um, it was uh, about 150 kilowatt DC motor and I think about a, a 20 kilowatt hour lithium ion phosphate pack so that was about 10 or 11 years ago now I think um and i just really always wanted to get back into the industry i'm hugely passionate about renewables electric vehicles i think they're a you know a huge uh, they go a huge way to to helping solve some of our, our transport uh, issues and uh, so yeah i worked for a couple of years as a hardware engineer after i graduated uh, and then started Evnex after that and it, uh, it really did start kind of in the in the garage and um it was just me for a year and a half or so and then ended up um, getting some investment and getting into a business accelerator and getting some uh, some sort uh, of co-founders on board and, and the team's grown since then.
1: Fantastic, and you you build the charges in New Zealand, is that right? That's right, yeah. And what's the advantage? That I mean, like, and I'm devil's advocate, surely you could build them for a fraction of the price up in China or something like that. I mean, what's is the... <laughs>
0: Look, um, it's not it's not as simple as, as as a lot of people think. I think you know, manufacturing. One of the great things about uh, how we operate, and you know, I'm sure um, Elon Musk would probably say this as well about certainly the early days of Tesla, SpaceX, and that sort of thing, is that we have our engineers very very close to where the product is being built, so in the same building. Um, so that the the um, people that are designing the products, um, you know, mere meters away from the production line. That means that we can have very good uh, control over our um, you know production improvements designed for manufacturing things like that so if something's a little bit difficult to manufacture or if we're not getting that yield that we that we hoped really fast feedback back to the engineers and I think that makes a huge difference Uh, there have been quite a lot a number of uh, New Zealand businesses uh, manufacturing companies that have tried manufacturing offshore and then actually bought it back and it's something that I'm really passionate about I think um, New Zealand um, we need to be thinking more uh, outside of just you know the primary industries and, and tourism and we need to be diversifying um, how we, um, you know, how we make money. So uh, I think uh, manufacturing where it makes sense, as long as we're not shipping components here and then shipping the charges back to Europe, which wouldn't make much sense, um, where it makes sense, there is, uh, I think, real opportunities for manufacturing in New Zealand, and, and something I find really exciting. Mm.
1: So, how big is your team down in Christchurch?
0: Well, we've got about twenty-five now.
1: Wow. how many of those are kind of engineering? How many are building them? Is it? What's the split? Um,
0: well, we've got two people full-time uh, manufacturing and we've got about six people in our sales team, I think, and uh, probably uh, nine or 10 or so in engineering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then sort of you know, operations, finance, things like that.
1: Now, I may have this wrong, but from what I've seen, most of your, your charges are sold on kind of a, a an installed package basis. I mean, that must simplify what can be quite a complex situation in regards to charges and that it's kind of it's very much not a one size fits all when it comes to installation i mean how do you how do you account for that some people want their charges right next to their uh their power board like miners and some people leave them a million miles away and some people have a certain amount of power available
0: yeah that's right richard so we're priced at about 2300 um including gst for a standard install um and you know, a number of installs are not standard you know that what we'd um, classify as a standard install is typically a couple of meters away from the distribution board um so you know really a a, a direct feed but you know often for people that's not the case That might be right around the other side of the house in extreme cases it might require uh, trenching things like that so yeah the price definitely can um can increase from that and uh and uh, yeah that 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 um can be a barrier for some people uh, looking to install a charger at home mm
1: mm-hmm. Um, uh, random question, I guess, just more down to installers. What do you find people prefer more, having a tethered cable or a, or a uh, or a plug? I mean, what are the what, a, are you any thoughts around what's the advantage or disadvantage of either?
0: It's a great question, actually, and probably a little bit contentious. We probably do a split of about seventy percent, um, sixty seventy percent would be uh, tethered, and and the rest would be socketed for residential installs. Um, personally, I much prefer tethered. Um, there's less things to go wrong. We do get quite a lot of uh, support calls from people that have socket chargers where they haven't quite plugged the plug hard enough into the charger. Maybe it's been sitting there for a couple of months if they just leave it there and then it sort of slowly kind of gets knocked a few times and sort of wobbles out and they forget about it and they can't figure out why the car's not charging. Um, and, uh, you know, generally it's just, it, it's, it's simpler. Um, and we think it's, you know, quite often if you've got a, a a separate cable then it makes sense probably just to leave that in the boot so you're not having to constantly un- unplug it um, from the charger every, every morning and then put it in your boot if, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. That's uh yeah and uh, you do everything up to like 22 kilowatt I mean I'm guessing most people really only probably need like single phase 32 amps 7 kilowatts is that the majority?
0: yeah it's rare that we would do 22 kilowatt in, in a residential location seven kilowatt as you say it's 40 50 kilometers range per hour it's generally easy enough for most people's commute
1: mm-hmm. okay cool uh the um we'll, we'll answer a couple of questions from the uh the, the boards now just to get those out of the way so they get too far down um now steve greenwood says uh hi ed uh, and Steve actually has, well, he's from EV they have the Evanex chargers there. Does EvanX have any focus on V to G?
0: Hi, Steve. Um, look, it's something that we are looking into um, quite carefully. It's um, it's a quite a challenging space for uh, a lot of businesses to get into, and I'll explain why. They're, well, f- first of all, DC charging is quite a lot more complex than AC charging, as I'm sure you'll be aware, Steve. Uh, the second reason, in terms of why V2G is a bit of an unknown at the moment, is there is uh, quite a lot of uncertainty in industry whether whether or not the bidirectional capability will end up being in the vehicle or in the wall-mounted charger in the future. So we've got some products like the Wallbox Quasar and things like that that are you know true V2G wall charger units, uh, but the auto industry is kind of still seems to be deliberating about whether or not the future is actually for that bi-directional power conversion technology to stay uh, or, or to, to go in the vehicle. We are seeing more and more cars with you know, vehicle to load capabilities like the uh, Hyundai Ionic and things like that coming out now. So there's sort of a question of, well, maybe it just makes sense to have that in the vehicle and leave the charger as an AC unit and the vehicle basically outputting AC back into, into, the, into the grid, which would obviously need to be compliant with local regulations, things like AS4777, you know, 477, which is the solar inverter um, regulation. So we'll be doing a similar thing to a solar inverter, really outputting you know, mains back onto the grid. Um, so maybe the vehicles will actually become compliant with that. And, and, you know, all that, that, that technology stays in the vehicle. So we are watching it very closely. Uh, we're interested to see where the industry goes, but a little bit hesitant to kind of, you know, jump into, into developing a product in that space until it's a little bit clearer what's going to happen. Because, uh, you know, it's, it's millions of dollars in R&D costs to, to bring a product like that to market and realistically probably two to three years. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's where we're at at the moment.
1: And I believe most of the technology that's out there at the moment, and particularly like the as we mentioned, the Wallbox Quasar, that's uh, based on uh, Chidemo standards as opposed to that's right. CCS. Yeah, I, I know from my time uh, travelling up in Japan, uh, vehicle to to, to grid uh, is, or oh, more probably more V two V two H vehicle to home, is is actually not uncommon there. Most. Uh, most nissan and mitsubishi dealerships have it on site uh, particularly in the in the more uh, earthquake or emergency prone areas um mitsubishi actually has uh, things called mitsubishi energy stations where they set them up with um with vehicle to or v2h but vehicle to dealership essentially and the idea being is that those buildings in the in the case of uh, emergencies Uh, are considered emergency center bases where they can run stuff out of, and those uh, centers will basically plug in all the cars they've been charging on solar there and run the building and make everyone a cup of tea and look after them until things settle down. It's a really interesting one. Um, Now, uh, Rebecca says, uh, Ed, it's great to hear how innovative your business is and how you are creating solutions for the future growth and changes. I'm interested in in what your biggest challenges are currently.
0: Bring it great Let you swing it in. Thanks, Rebecca. Yeah, um, we're launching into Australia just at the moment. Um, so I've just recently got back from Australia, and we're, we're now live in, in Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, Adelaide. Uh, so that's been quite a, an extra strain on the business to you know support that and bring on installation partners and, and, and that sort of thing in Australia. But really exciting, um, especially to be now be exporting New Zealand-made product into Australia as well, which we're really really proud of. Um, in terms of other challenges, you know, I think. It's quite challenging growing a, a business, especially in the manufacturing space in New Zealand. Access to capital is just um, is, is not as freely available as, as in other uh, countries like Europe, even Australia. You know, there's just so much more ava- uh, you know, capital available to help grow companies like Ebnex. Um, so that's been, been one of our challenges, I guess. We've been through a number of, of capital raising rounds to support the growth of the business, but we're you know, sort of doubling team size, doubling revenue year on year at the moment. Um, and that is just a huge challenge in itself. There's just always growing pains, you know, there's always processes that need to be updated, um, you know, onboarding new people. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that, that keeps it interesting. I love it. Um, it's challenging. But, yeah, I would say just that that growth is, is um, in trying to sort of sustain and, and um, you know, uh, sort of provide healthy growth as well is, is one of the biggest challenges.
1: Yeah, pr- probably not the discussion for this, thing, thing, but uh, the, the... – difficulties in New Zealand to, for businesses to access capital. It's If people are looking for a reason why our productivity is in the toilet compared to Australia or other countries, that's the reason. It's all there is to it. Yeah, I agree, <laughs> Richard,
0: but we won't go into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, um, Rebecca again. Uh, Do you have a product worth integrating to a solar zero system with grid use capped at eight cents per kilowatt? That's a very specific question, that one.
0: That's a good question. Uh, so... Grid use kept at eight cents per kilowatt. So does that mean, sorry, the sell uh, sell back? I think she's uh, talking about a sell back rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I think so. So I'm not super familiar with the solar zero system, but if, essentially how our system works is there's a, uh, a power sensor or a current sensor that gets connected into your switchboard. That measures how much the your total home is importing or exporting from the grid. And if you have a battery, then that kind of gets netted into that. So if your battery is fully charged, your home battery is fully charged, and then you start exporting, say, um, two kilowatts or three kilowatts into the grid, then it will, instead of uh, exporting that to the grid, it will divert that to the car. Um, so that's kind of how it works. So depending on whether or not you've got a, a battery um, that might kind of help you uh, figure out how that works. But our system very closely matches the, um, the live, uh, basically, you know, solar generation. So if, if a cloud goes in front of the sun, um, then the charger will stop very quickly and then cloud goes away and it will start again so it's you know, very dynamic in that sense um, but if, if, if i didn't answer the question uh well enough um feel free to just send an email to um ed at com or sales at com, and i'm very happy to dig into it a little bit more awesome
1: the uh, the whole uh idea of you know dynamic charging and so forth is it's interesting for so many reasons but i just we've had a, a charger installed in our garage recently and we've got on the switchboard one of the little dynamic load meters that can turn the charge up and down based on that and i just love having the little digital screen on that one being able to see at a glance how yeah. many amps are, are running through the house and nice. watching which cars take what it's just it's so nerdy i love it i love it yeah. this uh, one i'm not sure you're going to be going to be able to answer unless trisha maybe provides more information but there are two evanix charges at my work located side by side one runs slower than the other why is that
0: Oh, I might need uh, more information on the site. Again, that might be it. it might be an email question. But, you know, sometimes we do set charges up on load balancing, um, and which will mean that if there's a building constraint or if one of the charges is operating at full speed, it might dial the other one down a little bit. So there could be some sort of site-specific constraint happening. Um, it's possible that one of them is 22 kilowatt three-phase and the other seven kilowatt single-phase, um, you know, depending on which vehicle you're charging. That could be could be something but yeah definitely do feel free just um to email us support at evnex.com and we can definitely take a look at that
1: yeah am i wrong and i think i've i've understood this before sometimes if you're not set up right plugging a single phase charging car into a three-phase charger can result in getting a lower than seven kilowatt result out of it is that correct
0: yeah that's right if a charge is set up to be you know 16 amps per phase it's a little bit uh, counterintuitive for a lot of people but if it's 16 amps per phase multiply that three then that's 11 kilowatt um but then yeah if you plug a 7.4 kilowatt single phase vehicle into it um then it will it will only be able to pull 16 amps from that from that one phase that the vehicle can access hence it charges it at
1: 3.7 i'm going to take a wild guess that that's the issue there trusher i suspect that one of those charges is three phase and one of them single phase
0: Maybe. Could be, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Trisha yeah. sent your email, so we we'll, we can sort oh, that one good. out, yeah.
1: Good, good. Uh, Ned says, uh, what is the fee to change from type 1 to type 2 or the other way around if you change cars? I'm guessing that's referring to a tethered cable. So if you buy a tethered unit, can you change the cable later? And if so, what's the cost?
0: Definitely can. I don't have the uh, the exact cost in my head at the moment, but it's basically going to be the, the cost of the cable um, and the, uh, the, the getting a... Um, and install a an electrician around to, to do the swap. It's not uh, time consuming, it's five minutes. Um, it'd be in the it'll be less than two hundred dollars. Right. Uh, um, uh, travel's not too much, here. yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Trish says they're meant to be the same. Okay. Well, okay. if you email, I'm sure we'll get an answer on that one. Uh CJ says, look at getting a quote from you. It looks quite reasonably priced for what you get. Um, there you go. Look at this. This awesome. the show tonight selling charges for you. Yeah. Uh um, so Rebecca says, sorry, no, we sell back at market rate. We purchase at eight cents. That's some cheap power if you're purchasing exactly. at eight cents. Or maybe they're on one of those plans where they're leasing the solar and they buy the power.
0: That's right. I think so zero, That's sorry, what yes, solar so, zero is zero. Yes. So there'll be the panels. You would have got the panels on your roof and you've got a set rate. I think that you buy um, electricity for, what is it, 10 or 20 years or something like that. Yeah.
2: Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm
1: um next says i blew the pole fuse the other day due to the limit at my house being 60 amps do the X charges limit the charge so that it would be impossible to blow the fuse now i think they've set the balancing system on my charger here at i think about 58 or something like that supposedly you shouldn't like most houses have like a 63 amp fuse but they can only actually run at like 60 amps continuous for an hour or something like that so you've got to see it below that Am I getting that's that right, right. or right? yeah?
0: That's right, yeah, yeah. And so all of our chargers, uh, as standard, we install a uh, current sensor in the switchboard, which monitors that pole fuse um, current. And uh, if it if it approaches that limit, and that's configurable, the electrician will set that when he installs it. Um, and we do this with all of our chargers now. We think it's something that, that generally should be installed as standard if it's a 32-amp charger, because you're right, that 63 amps is it's, it's not a lot of headroom above that. Uh, it will automatically ramp down. Yeah, to protect mm-hmm. the ball fuse. That's right. Awesome.
1: Uh, Rebecca's going to email, and so is Tricia. So, um, you guys, are you said you're expanding into Australia. Is that the only place you we will see even charges around the world at this point, or are they further afield
0: than that? Mm-hmm. Who who uh, who knows in the future? Uh, we do have some in the UK. Um, earlier on, we were uh, we had a slightly different model when we we're expanding into the UK a little bit, but it's it's mainly New Zealand and Australia, and that's that's the immediate focus. We're um. We've become quite uh, kind of vertically integrated. We, you know, we we uh, work very closely with our installation partners now to make sure that we can control the or, or provide a really good user experience. So um, earlier on, when we kind of worked with. Uh, just you know, sold hardware anywhere and worked with uh, just about any electrician. It made a little bit harder to, to make sure that the chargers were being commissioned properly, set up properly, and that the customers were being trained in how to use them and all that sort of thing. So we, uh, yeah, a new model, we're kind of working a little bit more closely and a bit more selective with our installation partners, which is meaning that um, it's a little bit harder to kind of just jump into any, any country. It's not just like selling a box. Um, and as I mentioned before, a big part of our strategy is around working with the electricity industry to uh, to you know drive some of those those carbon um, uh, impact sorry carbon reduction and electricity cost benefits in the local market, so that means we're looking to build really close relationships with the electricity retailers, the electricity distributors to understand what their challenges are, um, and and again that means that it's it's a little bit more of a complex business than just going and, and saying selling selling hardware into a new market.
1: Mm-hmm. Now uh, let's talk about this uh, deal you guys have announced yesterday. I think. With relationship you've teamed up with LDV who are really in New Zealand kind of leading the charge ah, cheesy, ah, uh, in getting EV commercials out there into businesses uh, hands in New Zealand what's what's behind this I mean why, why how important is it that these companies are looking at partnering with the charging product when they bring these vehicles on board I guess it makes a massive difference to the usability or the use case of these vehicles
0: yeah, that's right, Richard. Most of the auto brands now, you know, are partnering with, or, you know, finding a preferred charging partner. And I think it just makes it a lot easier for a customer who's kind of not particularly up to the speed in this space to have some confidence that they're getting a solution that's going to be supported. It's obviously compatible with their vehicle um, and, and is reliable. So, um, you know, obviously uh, customers, LDB customers don't don't have to use the Evnex product, but um, we're sort of there as, as the preferred um, charging partner. Um, and... Uh, and uh, yeah obviously you know really well tested with those vehicles and and that sort of thing Uh, so it's all about that, that buyer confidence
1: what are some of the unique challenges that that businesses particularly when they're dealing with these commercials I mean they've generally got large batteries in them need to face when they're they're bringing these on board I mean it's it's somewhat of a different solution needed than when you're just driving an EV to work every day maybe 80 kilometers max or something like that these are cars that are vehicles that are really doing some miles and really doing it with potentially loads on
0: that's right yeah so look i I guess a lot of people that um have bought an electric car just for their personal use may be finding that a the three pin plug is not enough for their commute it's probably going to be less the case with fleet vehicles just because as you say they're getting driven long distances um and and having that kind of at least that 7.4 kilowatt or more charging speed is kind of much more important with those fleet vehicles um, you know, you, uh, access uh, authorization, so RFID cards, things like that, making sure that A, you can uh, prevent unauthorised people from charging if it's in a public location, and B, also cost tracking. So if you've got multiple vehicles or employees and you want to be able to track um, how much it's cost to run each vehicle, then, then you can do that through our system. One of the other things that we're finding is that a lot of em- employers are finding that it's actually easiest for their employees to charge at home at night. So that might be a, a tradesperson, a electrician van or something like that, and they're going to go straight from home to, the, to site in the morning. They might not be going to the, to the office. They might, might be going straight to site. It makes sense to be charging up at their house overnight. And with our technology, uh, that's one of the things that you can do as well is the chargers are all smart, they're internet connected. So that metering information is available for the employer to reimburse that employee at the end of the month for their electricity cost, which is really handy. Uh, and it can actually be more cost-effective to get a charger installed at an employee's house than, say, putting in a bank of them at your office, especially if you don't own that office building, or potentially there's not a lot of power availability or something like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, this this one's, this one's definitely for the uh, the paperwork nerds out there. My understanding is that WorkSafe still considers electric vehicle charging at home a hazardous activity. Is mm-hmm. that something you you guys have had to deal with?
0: Um look, I think it's I, I think you've got to be careful not to, not to sort of overstate the risk. Uh, there are certainly some risks. Um, but I think you know manage well, I think if you've got a dedicated charger, it certainly helps. And as an employer, you're going to have the added, added level of confidence if you've gone if you've had an electrician go in and install and get a, a dedicated charger for your employee. With the three pin plug, there's always a risk that, you know, maybe the home wiring is a little bit older, that somebody might not realise that they shouldn't use an extension cord, a cheaper extension cord or something like that and leave it coiled up. So there are some of those factors that you just have less control over if, if one of your employees is, is charging using the three pin plug. So I think that's that's where, um, you know, some of that that guidance comes in.
1: Mm-hmm. And I guess look, just looking at the notes you have uh, you guys have put out here uh, in regards to, with, in partnership with LEV in regards to this, there's some, certainly going to be some more interesting installations you have to do around around this kind of stuff. I mean, are we going to see like electric vehicle charges on, on the side of cow sheds and that kind of thing now? And, and you know, some of these more unique installations, they must bring up some challenges in regard to durability or, again, safety, more, you know, pumping power, wiring power into places that it hasn't necessarily been before.
0: I think we will. Yeah. And and look, I I grew up on a a sheep and beef farm up in the uh, Watteri Valley in Marlborough. And um, personally, just hugely um, keen to see more tradespeople and more farmers start getting into electric vehicles. It's a bit of a barrier. There's probably a little bit of a a cultural barrier there as well. But I think once people realise that you know, EVs have obviously got huge torque, once we get some more full drive models, People will love them. Farmers will love them as well because they're quiet. They can drive them, you know, behind stock quietly and things like that, don't have the engine noise. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there will be plenty of those installations that you speak of, Richard, and I think it's going to pick up really quickly.
1: Fantastic. Uh, just uh, going to people in the comments, if you've got any more questions, uh, please do uh, come up with them soon um, And because we're going to start winding up soon, but uh, we'd love to fill in a few more questions for people if we can. Uh, have you tried any of the LDV commercial product? Have you had a chance since this is... Uh, Coming through to do that, I know you're at the opposite end of the country to where LDV is based. But
0: uh... yeah, I've seen the Ute, I've sat in the Ute um, when it when it came to uh, the uh, our office for the photo shoot. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to drive it yet. Um, but it's yeah it's, it's pretty awesome seeing the, the first EV Ute in the country, and I think it's going to go really well.
1: Mm. Are you driving an EV yourself?
0: No, oh, yeah, I have to be, wouldn't I? Uh, I've got a, a, a Nissan Nissan Leaf third generation Nissan Leaf that I've had for a couple of years.
1: You've not been uh, tempted to jump on the Tesla bandwagon?
0: Oh, I'd, I'd love to. I think for me, it'd be a, a, um, a tough choice probably between a Polestar and a, and a Tesla Model Three. I think if I was to, to buy something here you know, at the moment, but oh, there's just some, there's so much, uh, so many options now. So, um it would be a pretty hard choice. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, just kind of a last question for me on the commercial side. Um, if we're talking about, you know, we're talking about managing load around the New Zealand's grid, but the car, you know, issues around when's the most efficient time to charge from a carbon perspective and so forth. Yeah, as we said, people at home probably have more of an ability to be flexible with how they're charging. What, you know, specifically will you guys be doing with some of these people that might have a fleet of 50 vans and have to have them charged every morning to uh, get the loads out that the next day? I mean, how are you guys going to look at that? What's the process?
0: Yeah, and look, the customer always has the, um, the, the ultimate control over what happens, Richard, and, you know, made that really clear. And that's the same with home customers well, we, as well. We would never kind of dictate when someone can charge. Um, it's more just, you know, saying to them, there's going to be these benefits if you, if you wait for a while, um, but, you, you know, you can always override that if you want. And same with businesses. I think what we're seeing is most of our commercial customers, um, the average start time is 8 in the morning. Um, for when vehicles plug in and you know they might want to charge quickly for an hour or two while they you know, do some paperwork and then head out again. So there's definitely going to be some times when um, they need that. But I think that's where um, a little bit more sophistication in our electricity uh, system and our electricity uh, retail plans and tariffs will come in so that uh, businesses have a clear um, you know, clear clear pricing incentives to shift their charging behaviours, and it may be that they're quite happy to pay that that premium for electricity at those times. Um, but if they if they are able to shift that, or, or you know, to to provide Evnex the um, the license to shift that, then and uh, they can do that and save a bit of money.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a last question from me. You know, we've uh, talked a lot about AC night. That is your your base thing, but. We have a a network of charging around New Zealand with an awful lot of Australian representation in the form of tritium. Mm -hmm. Are you going to give the market a New Zealand developed or New Zealand built DC charging option at some point?
0: Not, not in the rapid in the in the rapid charge space. Um, you know, it's possible you may look at something in that sort of home fleet um, V to G V to H uh, type space, which would probably be sort of like Seven Eleven kilowatt maybe one day. But as I, as I said before, that's a, a challenging space at the moment from from the perspective. We don't quite know which way the industry is going to go. Um, but from a sort of a, a rapid charge. Um, Space, no, it's it's not an area that we'd get into because you know we think tritium does it really well, and there's a lot of other manufacturers that do that really well at, as well at the moment. And I, I think we probably uh, wouldn't add a lot of value since since we are so focused on that that home and fleet space and, and smart charging.
1: Try and do one thing brilliantly rather than a whole pile extent. of things averagely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, let's uh, run through just the last few questions. Uh, Justin says, uh, um, <laughs> "Which British explorer?" <laughs> i think that might be Ross. is that ross bro justin tell me if i'm John, tell me if I'm, I'm wrong i'm trying to think I've back to my, the my teams at a pub quiz
0: the teams at a pub quiz at the moment i had to leave and come back ah. here to the office to do this uh that's probably what justin's talking about now so i, I had to to walk out of the pub quiz. Um, if,
1: if if we're not too late justin i think it's i think it's james ross maybe wrong maybe wrong
0: i'm, I'm glad uh, yeah, you pick that yeah. one up richard i'm hopeless at them <laughs>
1: uh nz5050 says good risk assessment and training will fix that um i believe nz5050 was asking whether he could take a tour of your facility uh earlier on in the comments but uh i'm okay. sure you could email and ask him. To see how yep. you go on that
0: one very happy to just just drop in and have a chat with us
1: yeah um lee says having 240 in the truck beds is a game changer for tradies i reckon i agree 100 yep, they can they can take their air fryer to work to chat to uh, cook their pie Bruce says, uh, I've been told charging at home can avoid insurance. Should there be an issue like a fire, have you heard this?
0: No, you'd have to be doing something pretty silly. Um, uh, And I haven't looked into this in in detail, particularly with the insurance companies, but I've I've never kind of heard that. I think you would have to have, say, modified a charger in an illegal way or be using some sort of illegal uh, hardware, perhaps. hasn't been certified for use in New Zealand it's, it's something that you want to check as well if you like know, if you're importing something off AliExpress or something like that that doesn't meet the New Zealand regulations there is a bit of risk there I'd be careful with that just, um, just don't do that <laughs> yeah um, but otherwise if you're using you know product that's that's you know has a certificate of compliance and that sort of thing you'll be absolutely fine
1: yeah if you can't get a certificate of compliance for it start to rethink what you're uh, having installed in your uh, in your house I would think um, yeah, my daughter sleeps about 10 feet from in my charger and electric car. I don't want uh, anything going wrong there. Uh, Trish said, what's the length of warranty on your chargers, please?
0: Three years is standard, um, but, you know, designed for, for 10 years at least. Awesome.
1: And uh, why were... I think was... Anyway, uh, no good for those who charge at night. Um, well,
0: who work at night. Who work at night.
1: Yeah, well, I yeah. guess... If they're working at night, I guess they're sleeping in the day, so they could charge at home during the day.
0: Off solar, 100%. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's what (laughs) a lot of our customers are doing now. And uh, that's that's, a huge way just about to get free charging. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Look, uh, before we wrap up, anything else you want to say? Uh, Tell any other, anything else you want to say to spruik your New Zealand-made product? What's the best place people can go to get more information?
0: Uh, Evnex.com. uh, or you can just Google uh, Evnex. And uh, yeah, look, if, um, if there's anything we can help you with, we'd love to help out. We're always keen to hear feedback on the product as well. If there's something that hasn't worked that well or the installation process wasn't that smooth or you'd like a new feature in the app or something like that, uh, we generally try and be really with, uh, responsive with things like that. So, you know, always uh, very happy to just take your call or email and, um, and we'll, uh, yeah, see you right. right.
1: I'm going to put up a comment there. I'll let you answer that one.
0: Discount, please. Oh, man, <laughs> give us an email and, and we'll, and we'll see, see what we can do. Depending on how there complex the installers.
1: There you go. E- 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 email, uh, email. Uh, was it Ed? What's the email again? Ed@evanix.com. Ed 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 if you saw it, I saw it on this uh, channel, and you, uh, you wanted to grab a discount, email Ed. Making no promises, but we're being cheeky here. Just anyway exactly exactly look uh thank you so much for uh joining us ed thank you everyone else for uh, coming along and watching the show again uh we uh will be back next week uh, i'm not sure we've got on next week but uh there'll certainly be something interesting to watch uh and uh yeah we will uh, see you next time don't forget keep an eye on the website for more news keep it on the youtube channel for uh, more great videos when i get a chance to edit them Check out the Evernext website and uh, we will see you all next week.
0: Thanks, everyone.